Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's What B Said, another game recap edition, game four, week four. I'm your host, Bree at Breezy Clee, and I am joined by Meredith at MCAN Sports. Hello, Meredith. Hello, Bree. We, we don't know what episode we're on. Like, this still, we're still, I'm just going to go with it. We're now just talking in game weeks, game yes. speak. So, That's the only way to, like, number it, because I know we, we had our quote-unquote season two when we switched hosts, but... Should this be point, season three? We could be season three. We should make know. it season three. I mean, we're approaching... We are approaching our, our third start of our third year this month, right? Cause um, a, second year? Yeah, second no, year, right? No, well, didn't we year, start 19? It was Freddie year. Nine, yeah, that was 2019. So our, our first year was 2019. Our second year was 2020. So now we're starting oh, our third you're right, year. You're right, you're right. I Time can't. is a funny thing. It, yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah, we're football season. We're year three in the football season world. Correct. Sometimes it feels like we just started doing this yesterday, and then at the same time we've been doing this our whole lives. Yes. Even though I've true. only been, even though I've only been living in Cleveland for four and a half years. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. <laughs> yes. Well, we've got a fun show lined up. Uh, we will get into the recap of the Vikings game. Uh, on Sunday, this was yesterday in our world, but it's going to be two days ago in, in your time as you're listening to this. We'll talk a little bit about uh, what's happening on the Reddit boards. Uh, Meredith and I both spent some time on the Vikings board. Uh, we like to see the fan perspective from the opposite end, uh, the losing end in this case. And then what's going on in our rival Reddit AFC North edition? We were just laughing a lot. <laughs> also, also the, if we have time. Yes, go ahead. If we have time, we've got a non-Browns, non-rival related Reddit post that I just, I really want to break down. Because sure. Because it may have been the best post that I saw on Reddit last week. All right, we'll talk about it. Um, all right, so let's get right into it. So a tale as old as time, Meredith. It feels mm. like we are repeating uh, two weeks ago, or I guess last week's episode. But the Browns pulled out another not-so-pretty win to defeat the Vikings 14-7. to and here we are complaining about it. Is this not a luxury, Meredith, to complain about the team after a win and having a three and one record? It is a luxury because we are looking at all of the things that the Browns did right in order to win the game as opposed to, you know, the Hugh Jackson era where we were looking at all the little things that didn't go the Browns way and we're like, well, this would have been a win if. And even um, Brittany tweeted out earlier today about all of the Deshaun Kaiser losses were by less than a touchdown. Like, yeah. how many of those games were we looking at and saying, oh, well, if this one thing had happened, that would have mm -hmm. been a win. And now instead, we're looking at these Browns wins and saying, these are the things to approve upon, improve upon. And those are the things that make you a Super Bowl winning team. So I think like the hard part is people want this instant gratification. Like they want the defense to click right away. They want Baker and OBJ to click right away. And it just the real world doesn't work like that. They want them to look like Super Bowl contenders right out of the gate. And they don't like if the Browns were to be put in a position where they were put in a Super Bowl scenario tomorrow, they wouldn't win. But that's not something that we should lose our minds over because it's only week four. This is a really, really long season. And one of the things that Kevin Stefanski is good at, and even one of the things that Baker's really good at, is learning and adjusting and fixing things. So as frustrating as some of the reaction has been immediately after the game and the day after the game, there's a lot of really good things that we saw yesterday, especially, and I don't want to like jump ahead too far, but one of the things that people were complaining about the most in week one was, oh my God, this defense is terrible. Like right. Joe Woods was supposed to have been given all of these weapons and all of these high paid players like Jadavion Clowney and John Johnson, like what's happening? Why isn't this working? And it's like, cause it's week one because it's week one. Yes. And I was talking to a colleague of mine who is who played in the NFL. He played at the highest level. He's won the Super Bowl multiple times. He was a safety. And he was like, yeah, I don't expect this defense to start gelling until week seven. So if someone who has been on a Super Bowl winning defense multiple times 
looks at the talent and says, this is when I expect to start seeing them click. They're ahead of schedule based on last week and this yes. week. Yep. Yeah. And have you ever, you have obviously, because mm-hmm. you, you haven't been in Cleveland your whole life working, but I liken it to starting a new job, right? When you start a new job and you're coming in fresh as the new person, you can understand like you want to know everything. You mm-hmm. want to immediately like start, hit the ground running. And a lot of times like you have to give yourself like a good three to six months to get yourself in a place where you're comfortable, where you feel like you've gotten a grasp on, you know, your coworkers and how how everyone else functions, how you fit in in your new position, even if you were doing the same job in a different place beforehand. It's right. technically the same job, but you're putting yourself in a brand new company, in a brand new position with brand new people that you're trying to gel with. I mean, if you think about it that way, it's pretty similar. I mean, these these guys got together in July, right, to start installing the defense. I mean, we didn't return that many of the same defensive players as last year. In fact, majority of the starters are brand new to this team. Right. So I can even say within the same company. So the company that I currently work for, I was also working for when I lived in Washington, D.C. And even though it's the same company and the same branding, it's two completely different beasts, two completely different animals. You know, I'm four and a half years into, you know, my life in Cleveland and I still have days where I'm like, do I know what I'm doing? Yeah. You know, like, well, am I, I think, doing things right? Am I getting it? I think, too, like typically people that are good at their jobs, they will get it. They will eventually like fit in and they'll and they'll excel at it. And I think that's probably what's happening with the Browns right now. Like now we are four games in. They started working on this, you know, in July, you had July, August, September, October, you know, we're now kind of at that stage of them being together. And now we're four games in of the NFL season. Like, I think it should, this should be a really good sign. Like they're just going to continue to get better as the season goes on or they should. Right. And they didn't really have a lot of game scenarios together because they weren't really playing in the preseason either. So it's not like they had those three games in the preseason to start working out game scenarios. Like they had to hit the ground running against a team that was coming off of a Super Bowl loss. So, I mean, it was a really tall task. And, you know, week one was was rough. And last week we were questioning, is this a really good defense or was it just the Bears calling a really bad offense? And based on the tweets that I saw about Justin Fields on Sunday, I'm starting to wonder what was going on because I saw so many like Justin Fields is our guy. Way to go. And I was like, wow. Like, did did we jump timelines midweek? Like, what's going on? So we were worried about that. But then what we saw yesterday was a defense that held the Vikings to one score. Yes. One score the entire game. And then on top of it, they had done things that other defenses were not able to do, yes. such as intercept Kirk Cousins. Yes. So, so this is a really good segue, yes. Meredith, because... This is what the conversation, the narrative should have been about all day today, the defense. And there is a large fan fan base that owes Joe Woods an apology today. My favorite was when Cammy, best friend of the show, Cameron Justice, tweeted at the end of yesterday's game, uh, how many of you are deleting your fire Joe Woods (laughs) tweets? Okay, so so I I have to laugh about this because the first drive of the game, right? Minnesota gets the ball first. They march right down the field and score a touchdown. And they mm-hmm. took a significant amount of time off of the clock. I mean, that Those first quarter was only long. 20 minutes long. Those were long drives. Yes. In the so, first quarter. You know, of course, I log on to Twitter and I was like, oh boy, the train wreck has already started. I mean, Brown's Twitter was in shambles. It was so From bad. that first drive. It literally, yeah. I could not scroll without someone complaining. And... I put out a tweet and I was like, guys, like, let's not panic. There is literally three and a half quarters of football. This is the first possession of the game. Like, let's calm down. I manifested a Kirk Cousins interception. I was like, it's going to happen. We just have to be patient. I know. Last last week, you manifested a bad game for Justin Fields. I know. And this week, you manifested. What? Do I have powers? I don't know. It is spooky season. Maybe they're starting to come out. I need to tap into that a little bit more. I think I could use that more to my advantage. But I have to, like, let me just say this one more time. After this Vikings scored on that first drive, they never scored again in the game. No. 
They never scored again. And what was so funny about the whole thing, and I even said this because our group chat was popping for the whole game. Sure yesterday. was. It was great. I loved it. I know that like it's because we're we're not always in a position where we can watch the game together. Yes. So we like text each other nonstop throughout the entire game. And I remember saying, if the Browns don't score on this drive, then I might be getting nervous because I know the entire week everyone had been saying that it is going to be a high scoring game. Yes. It's going to be a shootout like Kirk Cousins is going to let like light the field up. Baker Mayfield's going to light the field up. So when the Vikings scored on their first possession, I wasn't too worried because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, OK, the Browns are going to come back and answer. So I was like, well, if the Browns don't score on this drive, depending on what it looks like, then I might start to get nervous if if the Vikings get the ball back, because then I would then expect them to score again. But instead of the offense being the name of the game yesterday, it was the defense. Yes. And so I want to talk a little bit about it because Kirk Cousins is I mean, he's like Mr. Consistent, right? That you you at least can count on him for being consistent. He doesn't turn the ball over typically. Uh, But the Browns, their game plan, they pressured him on 50% of the snaps, and he was rattled. Um, It was reported that he was only being pressured about 27% of the time in the previous games. Uh, And and it caught up to him. He threw his first interception this season. Shout out Greedy Williams. Hey. And according to good friend of the show, Cam Justice, she, um, she tweeted this out earlier today. Greedy recorded his first career interception, and it was Cousins' first interception in 229 attempts. Wow. Right? Wow. So, I mean, what a, what, a, what a comeback game for Greedy, right? Like, that has to feel good. Starting his first game since 2019, obviously dealing with the nerve damage in his shoulder, out for all of last year, had to see his team essentially do well without him and mm-hmm. then make the playoffs, come back, essentially lose out on a starting position from a rookie. I mean, you talk about being kicked and then being kicked when you're down a little bit more. I mean, to have that mindset and then to come in a game and make an impact play, I also saw he said that he visualized that happening. He visualized manifested. a big play happening. He manifested it. Manifested we are man. It. This is the one where we manifest Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what I was going to name this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, to give you a couple more stats, Meredith. So um, this also broke Kirk's active streak of 17 consecutive games with a 90 plus QB rating. He was two for 13 with zero passing yards while under pressure. And the Browns obviously held the team to seven points after Minnesota has scored over 30-plus points in the previous games they've played. I mean, especially, like, one of the things that I've been so happy for with Kirk Cousins with was just how well he's been doing in Minnesota since he got up there. Like, I know the Vikings haven't been any kind of Super Bowl contender for the past few years, but he was just treated so poorly in, in Washington that I'm just, I'm happy that he was having some kind of success uh, up in up in Minnesota, and then <laughs> then he has no success against against the Browns. And, yes, and his former offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, and this is like in the NFL, like you usually expect two to three scores per team per game. Like this is the type of league where you're gonna have, you know victories that are you know 27 to 21 or you know even if you have blowout ones like 45 to 14 there's still going to be a few scores but this defense not only held them to seven points it was only one single score they couldn't even get into field goal range right after that right like yeah that's that's the part and I think I was talking about this with someone today that it was kind of a tough game to watch because of that yes I was just going to say, we, it was very boring. Like, if you did yeah, not have anything we went, invested in this I know, game or there any were, team, like, it had to have been so boring. There were, like, two scores in the first quarter, and that's where <laughs> the score was for the entire game after that. Yeah. Until Chase McLaughlin gets, or is it McLaughlin? McLaughlin? I don't even know. Until our boy Chase gets, what was it, a 55-yarder, like, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. We went almost clutch. an entire, just an entire game. With yeah, no I mean, scoring. We gave Cody Parkey the perfect parking nickname last year. I think this is um, Clutch. Clutch, Clutch Chase. Chase. 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. I know people are still like on the fence about him because he hasn't played in a weather game yet. I oh, need God. to see what he can do in the weather, Meredith. That's what we are waiting on for him. Every single time. It's like the, like, <laughs> the goalposts are always moved. Like you can't like not only do you have a kicker that you don't have to worry about when it's time to kick the extra point after a touchdown. But now you've got a kicker that's making these really, really long range field goals. Right. That other kickers can't even dream of in the NFL. Like at this point, the only kicker in the NFL that's better than him is Justin Tucker. And right. We should whatever be reason, making these field goals because previously we didn't have a kicker that can make them in non weather games either. Like we had like, two really missing th- extra points. Yeah, do you really like I and you know I love Cody Parkey, but do you really think Kevin Stefanski would have rolled him out on a fifty-five yarder? No. 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 So not. just I don't know. I'm I'm sick of the goalpost moving. I'm just I'm over it. But like I have a feeling that maybe that's why there was some negative feelings uh, about the win was just because it was a boring game. It was hard to watch. And I know we're gonna get into the offense soon, but like this almost feels like the six wins that the team got when Freddie Kitchens was the head coach. It was, remember, like, our podcasts in 2019, we were trying so hard to be positive, but it was like every single time the Browns won, it felt like a loss on Monday morning. And I was sitting there thinking, what is, what is wrong with this fan base? What is going on? And there were, I will give people credit, there were a lot more people today saying hey a win's a win like being proud of what they saw on the field actually looking at the good things that happened on the field as opposed to in 2019 where it was just you know the browns could have won and it was absolute meltdown disaster the next day yeah and a meltdown in the press conferences meltdowns all week i mean it 2019 they're like you couldn't feel good about the wins even like you could i mean i mean meredith we had a win that came after Miles Garrett took his helmet off and hit someone yeah. over the head with it. I mean, like, that's the type of wins that we were dealing with in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's it. this team feels right now very much like a Jekyll and Hyde team. Like, we don't know what we're going to get each week. Is it going to be an offensive performance or a defensive performance? I mean, still to this this day, after four games in, we still haven't played a complete game on – both sides of the ball like it's either been a good offensive performance and a bad defensive performance or you know the last two games it's really been all about the defense so it it is nice though to actually have that where if our offense is sputtering and things just aren't clicking that the defense is able to step up and actually win the game because we couldn't have said that last year the defense wasn't able to carry the offense last year and now it actually feels good that you know Baker Mayfield, we're going to get into it. He knew that his defense could get him out of it. And I, that mm-hmm. had to have been comforting in some way of like, hey, it may not, it, it may just not work today, but my defense has got me. Like that was refreshing. Yeah. Like he doesn't have to worry about scoring three or four touchdowns just to win the game. Cause that was kind of how it was against Kansas City is that the Browns just yes. needed to score a ton in order to win that game. And unfortunately they were one score too short, but that was not something that they needed to worry about yesterday. Yeah, man, you would have loved, like, remember how we were all thinking about how, you know, it was great to play Kansas city in the first game of the season, like get it over with type of yeah. game mentality. But I like, know, now, like, can, now Kansas city has been like struggling in the past yeah. three games. And I so was now like, I'm like, man, it actually might've been better to play them a little bit later. Let our, let our defense gel a little bit. And man, I just am like, of course that would be the way that it plays out where they exactly. lose two games, like immediately after playing us, but whatever. Um, so a couple of players I want to talk about. So we talked about him last week. JOK, I mean, continues to just dominate when he's on the field. He is flying around that field. He is everywhere. He's making impacts. He's so good. And we have to protect that man at all costs. In fact, he is the highest um, PFF graded rookie on the defense in the entire NFL. Yeah. And the Browns got him, what, in the second round? Yep. Sure did. I, I wonder if there are teams ahead of the Browns saying we could have we could have had him 
There's got to be. I mean, for sure. I mean, he was very much so overlooked. Although Kevin Stefanski, or excuse me, Andrew Barry did have to make a small trade to get him. Yes. Um, but he worth every penny. Tra- yeah, but he didn't have to trade that much. But they only traded up a f- like three or four spots to make sure that they got him. But yeah. it, but even so, that was still pretty late. Like a lot of players were going before that. So it just it again. I like credit to Andrew Barry for seeing the talent and knowing the talent was there. And credit for JOK for just being, like, the fastest linebacker I've ever seen. Like, he's crazy. Yes. And then, <sighs> Meredith, I'm falling in love with Jadavion Clowney. Yes! I'm so happy. I was so happy with the J- Jadavion Clowney signing. I feel like I was the only one. Like, I'm so glad that the Browns decided to spend money on Jadavion rather than J.J. Watt. Although, I guess he wouldn't have come to the Browns anyway because he wanted to go to Arizona, whatever. I don't care. Like, I don't care. I'm so glad. Yeah. Again, like, again, and I said this after week one, like, Jadavion's not going to be like Miles Garrett, where he's trying to get a sack on every single play. Like, he's not trying to go for defensive player of the year, although actually, no, I think he kind of is. But, like, he's not going to be the type of guy who's going to get a sack on every single play but he's going to be the guy that makes an impact yes on every single play like he is the one who's breaking down the offensive line and giving that hold to miles garrett to run through and sack the quarterback so even though jadavion isn't getting the sack himself he's still contributing to it and that's why you paid him yeah he is i know that the stat lines you can't always look at them and say wow he's making a huge difference and i'm sure that's what a lot of um that's what a lot of like analysts or people that don't follow the Browns closely are doing and saying, oh, that signing, like, haha, like it's not paying off. Like he's not doing anything. But if you watch the game, he is just blowing up plays. And and specifically when it comes to the run game, I saw this today that um Cleveland is ranked number three in um, opponent rushing yards per game. I mean, think about that, Meredith. Number three. Like that's insane. They're only giving up 67 yards a game. I mean, that is like half of what Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt get. And we have two guys that can that can almost rush for 100 yards apiece in a game. Like, they like Dalvin Cook, he might as well not even have played, right? Yeah. It, I mean, it, they completely shut the run game down. And I know that this is being – like, there should be credit due to JOK as well because he's also – making tackles behind the line of scrimmage in some cases. He's getting there quick enough. And then that line is just, they're just blowing up the run game. It's amazing how far this defense has come because they were one of the worst. Yeah, last the year they last gave year. up 108, if you want the comparison. Yeah. 66 like, so were... versus 108. And, you know, like, think about that, too. They played Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Ty- uh, Tyreek Hill, and um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, that's a pretty explosive running attack. Uh, then you had Deshaun Watson, which I know he was like half and half. Um, and then you had Dalvin Cook. And then um, Chicago, what, what's the running back's name? I already forgot because he didn't, like he was worthless. Yeah, I forgot too. Um, I have the wide receiver on my team, but I forget who the running back is. <laughs> um, so yeah, like the, these these improvements, like this is huge for the team. Yeah, and this is we're starting to see the defense that we expected out of the, out of what the talent is there. Like, yes, you know, this wasn't going to happen week one. We're only in week four and this is already what they're looking like. I'm still a little worried about them facing mobile quarterbacks because, you know, Justin Fields was not mobile last week, even though he could have been Kirk Cousins was not mobile this week. So they did really well. I still want to see how they fare against mobile quarterbacks, but you know, I just feel like, as far as this defense coming together and doing what we expected them to do, they're ahead of schedule. Yes. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Are Miles and Jadavion the Hunt and Chubb on the defensive side? They're the Bash brothers. Yes. Love yes. it. I love, I just love them. To, like they, and, and the other thing about Jadavion, like he just seems happy to be in Cleveland and playing on this team. I think so too. And that's not the case for the Browns of, years past (laughs) you know like my 
No, they were just my, collecting paychecks. <laughs> I know. I know. And so it's it's exciting to see people who want to play here. It's it's exciting to see people happy here. Yes. You know, I was trying to defend Cleveland earlier today to some friends that don't live here. Uh, one of my friends, wound, he said he wound up in Cleveland by accident. <laughs> and this was back. So he... He was here back in 2014. I guess that was Johnny Manziel's first year. Oh, got, gosh. And he wound up in Cleveland, like, the first weekend of the NFL season or something like that. So everyone was, like, Johnny Fever. So, oh. like, I was I was trying to defend the city to him, but I don't think he... I don't know that he was really buying it. <laughs> Give me another crack, because... Yeah, now I'm it's telling fun. you, I, I have had more friends visit me in Cleveland um, than I did when I was living in Nashville. And every single person that I have had come visit me in Cleveland has said, oh, my God, this place is great. I'm like, yes, that's what I've been telling you. Like, you think I've been yanking your chain. I'm not like this place is awesome. Like, it's a great city to be in. Yes. Well, so the defense, I mean, to kind of wrap this all up with a bow. So Miles Garrett was quoted on on the defensive effort saying, uh, defense wins championships. That's what the great ones say. If they can't score, they can't win. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's, the, again, just another refreshing take to remind us all that, yeah, he's right. Like the defense can make a huge impact to this team. And we were able to score a touchdown, able to go ahead, and the defense was able to hold the Vikings off from scoring when, yeah. when the offense just couldn't put it together. Yeah, a good defense makes it so your offense only has to score once or twice in order to win. Yep. I mean, sure, it's boring for us a little bit, but... Just a tiny bit. I, I do actually look forward to watching the Browns defense on the field together now. You know, like, last year it was like, oh, no. Like, just go, just let them score. Running. Like, get it over with so we can get the ball back. Yeah, and it's funny because I think the defensive performance between last week and this week was so stark because against the Bears, it was Sac City. Yes. And this week, like, while the while the Browns were able to get off a few sacks, which was great, it wasn't as explosive as the week before. So I think it was also just, like, maybe people were expecting a this, little yeah. bit. Yeah. They, I Here's the thing. I don't think people were. Like, I think people were smart enough to realize that the Vikings are not the Bears and right. that it wasn't going to be the same defensive performance but it's still like a little bit of a letdown you know like if you're watching your favorite tv show and then there's this one episode that just blows you away and it and then the very next week there's another episode and it's a really good episode but it wasn't as good as the week before so you can't help but feeling a little let down like I feel like that's kind of how it was this week so you know people are smart when looking at this defense and knowing that it's not you know it (laughs) It's not anything to be disappointed about, but after, you know, a performance of nine and a half sacks, it's a little bit like, okay, come back, come back down to earth and come back to reality. Yes. Um, so I, I did hop on to the Vikings Reddit board today a little bit just to, to get a feel for, you know, how they felt. Because, I mean, we were on the winning end of that. Like, mm-hmm. imagine being on the losing end because we won and oh, it felt like we rough. lost. <laughs> So, I mean, imagine being the losing team because, like, Minnesota, like, they looked bad. And I didn't think their defense looked that great. I just think Baker Baker made their defense look better than what mm-hmm. they were. Uh, I think any other Baker normal, accurate game probably wouldn't even have been close to being a one-score game. Like, we should have blown them out just based on, based on how that defense was performing for us. Um, but... I thought it was interesting because the Vikings fans were essentially saying that the game, they got, there was a blown call or I guess blown no call. They wanted pass interference at the end of the game for the, for the Hail Mary with three seconds mm-hmm. left. And, and first of all, officials, they don't typically make those calls when there's a Hail Mary or a throw into the end zone because there's a million bodies there typically. So I thought that was a bit of a stretch um, that they they thought that that should have been called and they should have gotten extra chances for that. And then the other interesting tidbit I thought they were really going hard after was um, the criticism of Kevin Stefanski um, and how, you know, they were like, well, we're not surprised the Browns only scored 14 points because Kevin Stefanski is the head coach calling the plays. And like, that's what we saw the whole time he was here. 
I mean, they are still like harping on him from that playoff game in what was it 2019 it was it was right before he obviously got this job where they kind of just sputtered on offense yeah it, it's it's interesting because i have a few friends who are pretty diehard viking fans and they were distraught when the browns hired kevin stefanski they still are distraught they miss him they want him back they are so sad so i find it kind of funny that the Vikings Reddit board was criticizing Kevin Stefanski. Yes. Um, but also, and this could just be me, but did it just feel like the Reddit board was very polite? <laughs> yeah, it, it did. It, it really did. Yes. They were just, it was Midwest nice. Yeah, which I'm <laughs> fine with. You know, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Like, that's totally fine. They, they all want to fire everyone and start over. I mean, that seems to be every fan's reaction to a loss or a poor performance is just like, let's start over. Yeah, yeah. I think they do kind of want to just tear things down to the studs. Yeah. And and get, yeah, and start from the beginning. But the problem is with some of the people that they have on the team, like you can't, like you can't get rid of Kirk Cousins. You can't get rid of Adam Thielen. Like those are... I thought it was interesting, players. though. It's the coaching staff they want to like. They 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 didn't really talk about Kirk Cousins at all. Like it's yeah. it's it's the coaching staff. Like I, they seem like pretty content with the offense and the roster that they have put together. It was like we need to get rid of Zimmer. We need to get rid of the entire coaching yeah. staff and start from scratch, which I thought was interesting because most fan bases like typically want to get rid of a player as well. Right. Yeah. It's I I guess it's not the size of the prize. It's the motion of the ocean. <laughs> And the person driving the ship is not uh, going with the flow of the ocean. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, what I've been dreading this entire show is talking about the offense and particularly Baker. Baker was bad. Um, and Yeah, there's no sugarcoating it. There's no sugarcoating it. And for everyone that listens to us, you guys know we stand Baker Mayfield. But we also can be critical of him and his performance and also believe that he should be able to get his act together. Mm-hmm. So just to recap, I don't know. So wait, before so yeah. before we're gonna do like a compliment sandwich. We're gonna say something good about Baker, and then we're gonna talk about the not so good things, and then we're gonna end with something good. So something good that I saw out of Baker yesterday. He was being the ultimate team player when Wyatt Teller's shoes came untied, <laughs> and he couldn't tie his shoes because his gloves. Yeah, Baker that got was cute. down and Baker got down and tied Wyatt Teller's shoes for him. So uh, ultimate team player in Baker Mayfield. Yes, agreed. Um, I mean, my good with Baker was I, I do think he takes ownership. Mm-hmm. He blamed himself. He did not blame any one of his teammates. He didn't blame his coaching staff. I mean, he went up there and he owned it. He was like, I was bad. Yeah. That, that's all there was to it. I don't know what that was, but it was not good. Um, yeah, and he, yeah, he's fully aware of his performance and he's yes. not, yeah, he's not blaming anybody but himself for it. I think two years ago, you know, he would have shaved. He would have been wearing a trench coat. Like he, he would have taken <laughs> on a completely different identity. And we did not see that. Like he seems to just be level-headed, taking on that same mentality and approach that his head coach takes, which you love to see that. Yes. So we'll get into the bad. Um, so Baker finished 15 for 33, 143 yards, no interceptions, which I was happy to see that as well. Like I think, I think we should be happy about that. Typically when Baker is playing down or not performing to his level, he, he tries to force things and sometimes makes bad decisions and throws interceptions. So I was happy about that. There was no errant throws and an interception. Um, he was sacked three times. He ended with a 15.6 QBR. Um, so the great debate, Meredith. Or the lazy take, however you want to refer to it. <laughs> Both. Is Baker better without OBJ? So, so for context, let me just say this. This was not a conversation coming out of last week's win against the Bears. And I will say that the offense was pretty subpar in that game as well. But mm-hmm. you did not hear this narrative coming out of that game. So I think what is happening, and this kind of goes back a little bit to the Jadavion Clowney conversation, where you can't tell how good he's been based on just the numbers, Um, I think that is sort of what people are looking at. They're looking at these numbers of OBJ and Baker in a vacuum Mm -hmm. um, and not in the grander scheme of things. And they're not looking at the, the entire sample size. They're just looking at these, these one little 
numbers and Baker was bad all around yesterday. Like if he was making connections with Felton and making the connections with, with Hollywood and, and if he was playing differently with his other receivers than he was playing with OBJ, then I would want to entertain that conversation more. But I just, so I was thinking about it and I feel like there is, I I thought of an analogy for Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. where they're almost like each other's ones that got away. And I want to say it was like, maybe it was a How I Met Your Mother episode where they were, were two of the characters who are on again, off again, and they were like, you know what? It's not the chemistry that's the problem. It's the timing. Mm. And I'm almost wondering if Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. are that couple that are theoretically on paper perfect for each other, but they're just never right for each other at the same time. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, because you've got, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. was playing hurt when he was playing last year, and plus Baker was getting to know a new head coach, a new offense, a new everything. So after OBJ goes out, it was what, in like week four? So Baker had an entire season. Yeah to get better and now that Odell Beckham Jr. is coming back like we know that Baker has been having shoulder issues that could be messing things up um you know Jed Wills is hurt and I not having your left tackle is insanely important so it just it feels like there's just always something that's like holding them back so they're like the they are the couple that's perfect for each other but they're never perfect at the same time yeah, that makes me it makes me sad. It really it really does. I love OBJ. I remember how excited I was to get OBJ on this team. I mean, this was after Baker's rookie year of just looking super accurate like he was going to be this unstoppable force of a quarterback and then pairing him with a weapon like OBJ was just so exciting because you know, the Browns we don't get star players. Like they yeah. don't they don't join our teams often and I just get so frustrated because we have a weapon and I know people want to argue that he's not the same player either but when I watched OBJ yesterday and I realized this is not an all 22 tape so I really can't see the full picture but he seemed like he was open he seems like he's running like he used to like getting open running really good routes and it's frustrating because the Browns have not figured out a way to utilize him in our offense. And it feels like there are a lot of other really good teams that have a really good star wide receiver that they have a way that they figure out how to utilize them in their offense. Like when's the last time we saw OBJ run a slant? Yeah. I mean, was it Dallas last year? I think so. And one of the things I was thinking about yesterday is that it felt like, he was always really far down the field, and I don't know if that yeah. was by design or not. But... It was almost like the 2019 Freddie Kitchens and yeah. what's his face Todd so Monken every... plays, like where he was running a vertical route, like every time. And I'm yeah. sure he was. Run- I'm sure that he did run a slant. Like I'm sure that he did in the game. In fact, I may have seen something similar. I think it might have been a curl route or something that he was actually open on that Baker didn't throw it to him. But it seems like he's open more than he's not. And he is not getting targets his way when he's open. It's just weird. It's like when he's blatantly open, he doesn't get the ball thrown his way. And then when he's not open, Baker tries to force it. Like I just, it is just such a weird phenomenon. And I I can't, I can't, I can't put my finger on it. And I texted you guys yesterday and I can't even believe I'm saying this. And it pains me to say this, but part of me thinks OBJ actually might be better off without Baker versus the other way around. That text like cut deep and I'm not, I'm not (laughs) willing, I'm not willing to go that far yet. Like I can see where you're coming from, but I don't, I don't agree just yet because I still feel like they need more time together. This is what only like their second game playing together since last year. And I just like, he can't be throwing those like on a day where he just wasn't accurate yeah those long balls were never going to make it to obj and i think the hard part is that obj has a reputation where if you just get the ball in the same zip code as him yes he's gonna catch it but baker was off and i mean he was so off 
So, yeah. so do you feel like I do you feel like Kevin Stefanski was trying to get Baker in a rhythm? Like it almost felt to me that like nothing was working. And like they were trying like multiple different things with Baker to try to get him to like get in some sort of a rhythm. Like, you know, the first half I was like, oh, it's a fluke. Like he's going to come out in the second half. Yeah. That's what we're used to seeing. I mean, there were there were moments where Baker was really, really good. Like there was one play I remember very specifically and I forget at what point it occurred. But there was one point where Baker had a year and a half to make a decision. Like he was just standing in open space forever looking, looking, going through all his reads, figuring out what he wants to do. And eventually he connected with Demetric Felton. And I think that play resulted in a first down. And I was just like, yes, that's what we want. We want this offensive line holding off the defense. So Baker has literally all the time in the world to make his decision. He goes through all his reads. He finds the open guy and connects. And like, that was like, (laughs) there was only one play like that. And it just, it, it didn't happen for the rest of the game and it's really frustrating because I just I want to see Baker and OBJ on a good day like I feel like it's almost unfair to judge Odell Beckham Jr.'s fit on the Browns based on Sunday's game when you know Baker was bad and he knows he was bad and he he has admitted as much like I want to see what it looks like when Baker Mayfield is having a good day. Yeah, and that's the other thing that that annoys me. Okay, so two things. First, on that last play where he missed OBJ, like, I mean, he underthrew him. Was that the one where he hit Joel Batonio in the back, or was that a different that was one? A, I think that was a different one. I'm surprised um, that that hasn't been, like, gift and retweeted a million <laughs> times. Yeah, I, he, I mean, OBJ, OBJ, like, he just needed to put a little bit more on it. OBJ it, it, it could have caught it and literally ran in for a touchdown. Game would have been over. Like, put yeah. it on ice. It's done. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. That would have been his, I think, third catch of the entire game, and we would have not have had this conversation. And the the other thing that bothers me is, like, why is this OBJ's fault? Like, why is this, this whole thing, the conversation should be about Baker. Like, Baker missed multiple throws in the game to other receivers, and I would have to go back and look. There were probably times OBJ wasn't even on the field and Baker was bad. So you can't tell me that he's constantly seeking out OBJ because there was, I mean, Meredith, like, he, I mean, he only completed 15 passes and most of them were short attempts. I mean, it was like watching Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Oh, ouch. So, I mean, sorry, but like that, that is, that is the Pittsburgh special right now. Yeah. Well, I. I do think a lot of the conversation today was centered around Baker Mayfield. I think the part that a lot of people are looking at and there were some people that were being optimistic on it, but one of the things that I'm sure is in the back of everybody's mind, including Baker, including Andrew Barry is his contract is up like, and they have to decide whether or not they want to pay him. And after a day like yesterday, that's, I'm not going to say it's not a franchise quarterback, but it's not a guy that you're going to give 35 to $40 yeah. million dollars a year to. Yep. So, you know, I think hopefully knowing what's on the line, you know, that'll be the quote unquote chip on the shoulder that Baker needs. Cause you know, that's the other reputation is that he, you know, plays with his ass on fire when he's, when something's on the line, whether it's pride money or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think that is one of the things that, as a Browns fan, I'm looking at that and I'm like, that is not a $40 million a year performance. Right. That's not a $30 million a year performance. And it's not enough to say trade or drop Baker. It's definitely, but it is enough to say, well, we're going to pay you, but it's going to be a lot less than what you think you're worth. Right. So, yeah, it just felt like today's conversation and and on Twitter and everywhere was dominated by like Baker and OBJ. And if it's not OBJ, like, let's talk about, like, what is it? Is it just a bad game? Like, do we chalk it up as just it's a bad game? Like, throw it away. Let's see what happens next week. Uh, the other narratives, you know, that everyone is talking about is his left shoulder injury, which Kevin Stefanski denied when asked about it in the press conference based on what he saw in practice. Like, that's what he's going off of. Uh, you mentioned this, Meredith, but he has not had a consistent left tackle 
And yeah. the line play has been somewhat inconsistent. And, and Jedrick Wills left the game again. And then he had a rookie taking over at that left tackle position. So is he a little bit uncomfortable with his line? Like, is that trust not 100% there? Yeah, and I think people seem to forget sometimes how how important that left tackle is. It's like one of those things where, like, you know, okay, yeah, the left tackle is the most important guy on the offensive line. But how deeply do you really understand the importance of that position? So, yeah, when Baker doesn't have his left tackle – you know, things are definitely going to be different. And, you know, there is depth on on the offensive line for sure. But, you know, there is a little bit of inconsistency there when he's not playing with his number one. And, you know, for for Jed, and this might be hard for this week because the Chargers are, are a completely different beast. It, Jed Wills might have to sit out a game or two and let whatever is, is happening heal up. Like, it's not going to heal in seven days you know and when baker really needs him like we're gonna like down the line if the browns make the playoffs which they should and we expect them to you we need a 100 percent healthy jedrick wills yes i agree i agree it's that is not a good thing especially if your quarterback is struggling that's not what you want to see um right. the other thing like his technique and footwork looked off yesterday yes. again like he had the happy feet, um, and sometimes when he gets those happy feet, he's throwing off the back foot. He just looks completely off, and then he's sailing his passes, like, into the first, second row of the stadium. I mean, it's just – he looks so uncomfortable in the pocket sometimes. Yeah, it was it was almost like looking at a completely different Baker. Yeah. Yesterday. Like, just that's no not composure. The Baker that we know. Yeah, so – I hope it. I, I hope I he. Fig- I hope they spend a lot of time with him this week, getting right, getting it right. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know if it's like a mental thing, and if it is, like, I hope he can get his head right. Like, yes, it's just. And yeah, he- it, it was, it, it was tough because we don't want to criticize Baker too much because we love him so much, but that also we have to be realistic about what we saw on Sunday and what we saw wasn't great. Yeah, and the other thing that I don't think is getting enough talk is. Jarvis Landry hasn't been on the field with him for two games. And I know. I do think. His guy. Yeah, that's like his little security blanket. And and Jarvis, he's able to make a play when things are not going mm-hmm. going well. And and Baker kind of seeks him out to make a play. Um, you know, Mr. Reliable, Mr. Dependable with Jarvis. And he doesn't have that. Like, they're, like yes, you have Rashard Higgins. And, and Rashard Higgins actually was, he caught four passes for, I think, 63 yards. So, you know, he went to his, like, next favorite guy. But I think Jarvis Landry just adds something else when it comes to that Baker Mayfield being comfortable in this offense. Yeah. Yeah. I just – I'm st- I'm at a loss for words because I still – like, I don't want to say that Baker Mayfield has the yips because that is not something that can be, like, cured overnight. Like – that's the equivalent of Simone Biles getting the twisties in yeah. the Olympics. Like the yips are not a good thing and they're not something that you can just wake up one day and be like, okay, I'm over it. So yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what was going on with Baker yesterday, but something wasn't right. So yeah. Um. All right. Well, so then I want to, I want to ask you, mm-hmm. when should we be concerned? Like, it, so you we're saying like, you know, we hope, he comes out of this well you know we'll see on Sunday like big game against the Chargers um but one of Bigger's one of Baker's biggest um advantages was his accuracy yeah and he was not accurate he was not accurate and if that continues to plague him then we are going to be in for a very long season and then I yeah I think the other thing too is like we obviously have a really strong running game and everybody talks about like, well, Baker doesn't need to be like great because we have a really good running game. And but yes, you can't run the ball exactly, on exactly, exactly. And like eventually teams are just going to clog you up in the middle and they're going to stop it. And then if you don't have a passing game, guess what? You're screwed. Then you're just going to go three and out constantly. Yeah. I mean, and there were a few times yesterday where Kareem Hunt got stuffed at the line of scrimmage because their defense saw what they did yes. against the Bears. The, the defense saw what Kareem Hunt did and they were prepared for it. So even though Kareem Hunt had a really good game yesterday, like there were still some moments where he was getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage. So yeah, no, you can't just, pat, you can't run the ball on every single play. That's just not, 
like that's not logical like that's not going to work but i think honestly if we're asking when we should be concerned if he has another game like that this weekend against the chargers then i'm concerned yeah well meredith since we talked about manifesting earlier should Mm -hmm. we manifest a baker mayfield yes we're gonna light our candles okay get in a circle (laughs) we We need to manifest manifest. his accuracy we need to manifest for his shoulder to feel better good game for obj manifest the obj and baker chemistry is this too much i don't know who i'm i'm i will put this out into the universe we will manifest together yes I think we, we we might need a lot of people together on this because we want a lot of things. So because I think Brittany manifested something yesterday, too. Like she tweeted about something and then it happened a few days uh, or a few plays later. And like I tweeted about um, and I think it was that um, <laughs> that seventh and goal. Play <laughs> when Gosh, I was that just was, like, <laughs> we didn't even talk about that. That was giving me flashbacks to Freddie Kitchens. I know, but I was sitting, I think at one point I tweeted, like, I'm manifesting a Kareem Hunt run. And sure enough, on the seventh down, Kareem got the ball into the end zone. So I was like, I did it. I did it. So, like, we all kind of manifested something. So I think we all need to choose one thing, like you, me, and Brittany, and probably Jenna and Angela, too. Like, we all need to choose just like one thing and focus our energy on that. So, I am going to choose to focus on a really good game for Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, like that's I what I want to manifest. I love it. Everybody has to manifest on their own yeah. terms as well. You have to tweet at us and let us know what you're manifesting. Yeah, pick, pick one thing. Put it out you there. Don't, yeah, you don't want to spread your energy too thin because then it won't work. But pick one thing to focus your energy on and let us know. Yes. Let us know what you're manifesting. Yes. Okay, so Meredith, we have time. Let's talk about this Reddit situation oh, that you gosh. sent to me. Um, I... I, I, do we want to start with Rival Reddit or do we want to start well, with... Well, okay. So the only thing I'm going to talk about on Rival Reddit, um, you know, the Steelers, they're, they're down. Obviously, they should be down. They're down and bad. Three. And you know what's funny? All of my, like, Steelers coworkers and friends at work are all now, like, coming at me like, you guys are going to pound us this year. And I'm like, oh, last year you <laughs> talked crap, like, for 11 yes. games. And then where did you go? Um, so it's just funny to me how now it's like open mouth insert foot like and, and yes. whatever like they're I don't even want to think about them but I did send Meredith uh, a couple of things from the board because I actually thought it was pretty good number one Joe Hayden former oh, Browns Joe. player they posted a video of him in the game yesterday and they said the moment that Joe Hayden turned into a fish I know and, and then someone even said uh, he was just reenacting a LeBron flop <laughs> it oh, was really funny great... I think I think Green Bay I think Aaron Rodgers threw like a slant pass and Joe Hayden like comes running out of nowhere and then just like flops like he didn't even he didn't even use his arms <laughs> he literally also, just dove also this is clearly the best comment on this entire post it only has two upvotes so I am already just upset with with Steeler Reddit but someone commented holy mackerel <laughs> upvotes like that is so creative i love it i love it and then the only other thing going on someone in the in the steelers reddit board posted a meme of splinter from ninja turtles with Mm -hmm. his three little baby ninja turtles and they were all the records from like 2017 when the steelers were what were they like 13 and 3 13 and 3 and obviously all of the other teams were you know I mean, the Browns were 0-16. Um, yeah, so yeah, so the records were Browns 0-16, Bengals were 7-9, and and the Ravens were 9-7. and And then right underneath that, they posted a photo of Splinter with his Ninja Turtles, but the Ninja Turtles are now all grown up. All grown up. And I the mean, records it's... are 3-1, and and the Steelers are Splinter at 1-3, and and the Turtles are now leading him. This was I, good. This was a good post. It was really good. And I love the Ninja Turtles and like the baby turtles are so cute. But like it's annoying because it's like Steelers and they're like the like the sensei of the AFC North or something. And I was like, come on, really? Like no one's learning anything from the Steelers. No one's. Oh, God. Um, but some of the some of the comments on this post, they're so good. Uh, so, quote, I used to lead this division, you know. Sure, Grandpa. Time for bed. Pain. Yeah, all the <laughs> way back to the ancient history of 2020. <laughs> and this was the comment that we were trying to decipher before we started recording. But it said, I'm not so sad about going 11-0 and winning the division, to be honest. And I was just like, 
like, okay, sure, it was exciting for your first 11 games going 11-0, and but you lost two in a row to the Browns and exited the first round of the playoffs. Like, how are you happy with that exit? <laughs> you know, like, not only is it going 11-0, and not only getting knocked out of the first round of the playoffs, but getting knocked out of the playoffs in the first round by your arch rival who was... Oh, and 16 a few years ago. Like, I don't understand why they were happier going 11 and 0. Well, I, I interpret it as they, because they're one and three right now, that the 11, like in hindsight, the 11 and 0 and winning the AFC, like they would take that obviously over this feeling that they have, even knowing that they got bounced from the playoffs. <laughs> that's like, that's how I'm interpreting that comment. Um, so let's talk about some more of the comments on this post because they're incredible. Uh, sometimes all you have left to do is laugh. Good thing about rock bottom is there's no place to go but up and says, the only way we can hit rock bottom is if Ben plays next year. Oh, I hope he does. <laughs> and then someone said, oh, God, don't will it into existence. And I was like, maybe that's what we should manifest. Then. Yes, Big Ben stays. Because <laughs> there is some energy being put out on Steelers Reddit. Um, and then someone said, this would make a lot more sense if these teams actually liked each other. And to tell you the truth, I feel like everyone hates the Steelers. Like everyone in the AFC North just hates the Steelers. I don't think that the Browns and the Ravens or excuse me, the Browns and the, and the Bengals are like head butting rivals. I think there's a lot of like both the teams haven't been great in recent years. So the fan base can commiserate and they're both Ohio teams. And I feel like the only reason that there is really any kind of strong rivalry with the Ravens is because that's used to be the Browns. You know, I feel like if the Brown, if the Browns that Art Modell sold went to any other market that wasn't in the AFC North, like, I don't think that another team, like, if, if the Ravens did manage to get a team that weren't the Browns, I don't think that rivalry would be there. I just feel like there's still a lot of, like, hurt from when, when Art Modell sold the team and they moved to Baltimore. So I feel like that's the only reason why there's really that bad of a, a rivalry between the Browns and the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting, the headspace that we are all in at this point in time. And there is a lot of season left to go. That's for sure. All right. I need to read a few more comments before we move on. Uh, this makes me want to drink bleach. <laughs> Someone responds, I'll split a gallon with you. Is this your yacht? <laughs> Responding. I don't know. And then someone says, we're all going to need our own. <laughs> and then someone said, new game Dave tradition. Bleach and a shot of glass every time a pass is thrown behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> okay, see, or a one-yard is... slant on fourth and ten, take a shot. This is why Reddit boards, though, are the best, though, because it's all the fans, like, commiserating together. Like, I mean, it's it's just funny. I'm not laughing, like, at the Steelers because we've all been there as Browns fans, but people are funny. Like, you have to, you have yeah. to laugh at your own misery sometimes. Yeah, and then, oh, gosh, a lot of the comments start going into is – Baker Mayfield, a franchise quarterback, of course, because that was one of the things that we were talking about with, let's say, Vikings Reddit versus Steelers Reddit is when you go to the Reddit board of like any other fan base, all of the conversations are internal, but you go to to Steelers Reddit and somehow, somehow someone always finds a way to make the conversations about the Browns every yeah. single time. That's like, okay. That, I, means, like, and I real that means we made it. I know. And I realize that this post is does include the Browns. It, it, it includes all the teams in the AFC North. But it, there's like half a page of comments on Baker Mayfield not being the franchise quarterback, the Browns ruining the careers of potential franchise quarterbacks. He's not the real deal. Baker isn't elite. Like, come on. Come on, Steelers. Like, they accuse Browns fans of them living in their heads rent free. And I was like, you know what? I really don't see it, though. I don't see it. Like, I don't see people just finding a way to, like, push Steelers into the conversation the way the Steelers have the way of pushing the Browns into their conversations. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I feel like every every board has. I mean, after after the Steelers beat Buffalo that first game, like, they couldn't wait to, like, they, they were talking a lot of smack week one, and now yes. it's obviously a completely different story because that, that game almost looks like a fluke um, when you think about that now. Yeah. Um, but I want to get into, Meredith, your other Reddit that has nothing to do with 
the Steelers or I'm, any of our I'm teams. Obsessed. Um, I'm obsessed. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so one of my favorite Reddit boards, and I definitely visit this board a few times a week because it is beyond entertaining. It's called Am I the Asshole? Or I'm going to say A-hole from now on, just you know, in case we have younger ears listening. But it's Am I the A-hole? And essentially, it's anytime someone is made to feel like a bad person or that they've been wrong in a situation they come to this reddit and they share their story and say okay here's what happened am i the (laughs) a-hole so this post and i actually tweeted it at halftime yesterday so if you want to see what i'm talking about um, i might retweet it once we post this episode so people don't have to like scroll back in my timeline for it um this one is am i the a-hole for choosing a football game over a wedding and so he starts out he said my my wife's friend has a wedding coming up this sunday which was Yesterday, we're recording on Monday. That's a few hours away. Uh, The bride is a close friend of my wife's. I've only met her a handful of times. To be honest, she kind of sucks. Which, (laughs) first off, not doing well for yourself when you're insulting people in the first paragraph of your post. When we RSVP'd a year ago, I wasn't exactly thrilled to be traveling three hours and spending hundreds of dollars for someone that I don't even like. But obviously, he said, when we RSVP'd, the NFL schedule wasn't out. I know this sounds silly, but for anyone who follows football, this is a special, special week in sports history because Tom Brady is returning to play the New England Patriots. And he says, for the non-sports people, Tom Brady was the quarterback for the New England Patriots for 20 seasons and won six championships, in quotes, with them. He won a quote-unquote championship last year with in his first season with Tampa Bay and has yet to return to New England until this Sunday. I won't get into the further drama, GOAT versus rookie QB, Brady-Belichick debate, but suffice it to say, this game is monumental. It's going to literally be historical, a once-in-a-lifetime game for any football fan, especially for a diehard Patriots fan like myself. I can't miss it. So then he goes on for the rest of the post saying that he wants to drop out of the wedding, and he says, am am I the asshole? Or again, like, and he's like... I definitely have to break some of this down. He says, am I the a-hole or am I falling victim to the belief system that simply views football as a stupid game and nothing more? Like I said, (laughs) this game is literally once in a lifetime, something I'm going to tell my kids about. So the first question in the comments was, oh, you have tickets for the game? And he he responds, no, I'm going to watch it on TV. So he's like making a big deal. Right. And And then of course someone says, well, you can always DVR it. And he's like, you can't DVR sports. Social <laughs> with the media times gonna, of social media. Which social I, media is going to ruin it. I don't disagree with that. And and I did, like, first of all, this post was forever. Like, this post, I literally was like, this is a novel. And the fact that he, like, right? explained the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick yes! relationship, I was like, dude, maybe you need to invest this time into preparing for this wedding. <laughs> I know. So that was my favorite part of this entire post because this, this subreddit has... 3.1 million subscribers. 3.1 million. And I'm sure people go to this this subreddit all the time without having subscribed to it. So he's sitting there like literally mansplaining to a group of 3.1 million people who Tom Brady is as if he's the only person who watches football, who understands. And quite frankly, Sunday Night Football was kind of boring last night. So he's like, it's not like he even has tickets to this game. He just wants to sit on his couch and watch TV. And it's just the way he just presents everything. Like, I don't like this friend of my wife. She sucks. I'd rather watch football. And it was just like, dude, of course you're the a-hole. Of course you are. And then he got so argumentative in the comments, his account got suspended. But (laughs) (laughs) that's even better. Like, that's the best part of this story is that he got suspended. I I would like, like, I need a follow up post. Did he actually go to the wedding? I know. And like, I'm so obsessed with this post because there are so many better ways he could have handled this situation. Like one of the comments or one of the suggestions in the comments was he could have approached the wife and said, hey, listen, I know you love dancing. I'm not big on dancing. This is a long way to travel. I don't want to dampen your good time. Why don't you take this gay best friend or whomever with you and have a good time with them? Like he could, that was a suggestion in one of the comments. And I'm like, like, that's not ideal, but it's better than going to your wife and saying, hey, Sunday night football is more important than me spending time with you and doing something for you and your friend. Like, I just, I can't, I can't. This guy is so 
delusional. And then the fact that he had to he had to qualify and like act like he was superior at the end for liking football and and everyone else is crazy if they think that football is just a game. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, it kind of is. Like, if there's a really, really important game, but there's a more important real-life event, I'm going to the real-life event. I'm going to watch the game later. I can't count how many times I've done that with hockey because there's 82 games in a hockey season. There's a lot of really pivotal, important games that happen. And if I can't watch it, I tape it, DVR it, whatever, and I go back and watch it later. Like, do I know the score? Sometimes. But, like, (laughs) I mean, the guy's acting like he can't stay off his phone for 24 hours, that he's just going to have to see the score of the game. Again, it was a boring game, and quite frankly, no one's going to be talking about it in a few weeks. Like, nobody's going to care. Like, to to tell you, to be quite honest, I think because Tom Brady won the Super Bowl last year, I think that kind of made this game null and void. Like if Brady hadn't had the season that he did in Tampa Bay the year prior, if he hadn't won the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay the year prior, I feel like this game would have been a bigger storyline. But Tom Brady already won the divorce and everybody right. knows that. So it just except for this guy apparently. Right. But just this whole like I just I'm obsessed with this pose. It is hilarious this guy is delusional and he has three thousand comments all calling him an a-hole and he's still just oh my god um it's amazing yeah top comment it doesn't matter how much you like this friend of your wife's or how well you know her this is part of being married you go to events because you're a good partner not necessarily because you want to go yourself bingo nailed it yes agreed yeah, Agreed. I'm a huge football fan too. And while this game is historical, it's still just a three. It's still just a week four regular season game. Agreed. And that's like, and that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's it's week four. It's regular season. Like, was the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick embrace afterwards no. beyond no. awkward? Yeah, yeah. I it, went to bed. It, I was like, I, why am I like, why would I stay over this? This is so yeah. Are, like, was it worth pissing off your wife, wife over, dude? No. But anyway. That was, that was the, uh, am I the a-hole Reddit? I was just, I, this post is chef's kiss. It's perfect because this guy is just the, he is the perfect combination of a-hole and just complete delusional Dale. Yes. Well, I'll have to go check that board out. I, I do not, I have not frequented that board, but I'm going to have to now based on this. It is entertaining. It is entertaining. Oh, Although sure. I, I may, I, I may have to post some advice. yes oh man um well this was a fun episode i'm glad that we got to chat it out because you know today was a lot of stewing over that Mm -hmm. win uh so thank you everyone for tuning in uh we will catch you guys all next week don't forget to download us wherever you guys listen to your podcast apple itunes spotify stitcher uh rate and review us shoot us a note we love to see your tweets and uh, let us know what you're manifesting for next week's game we're gonna need it guys um have a good night and talk to you next week.